Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalized keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewelry, whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle, or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan, and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary, or maybe it's for someone's birthday, maybe something for Christmas, or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts is the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villag Morgan, CF627EB. Or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk or maybe just give them a call at 07789942248. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film, or even theater. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So do you want to have experience in making jewelry? Do you want to pick up a hobby, but do not know what to take or where to start, then look no further than the Veil Jewelry Workshops. Veil Jewelry Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewelry. They will help you make a range of silverware, including rings, bracelets, and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills, such as soldering, texturing, shaping, and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewelry, and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or even phone them at 078974248 Happy New Year one and all Happy New Year. When was the last time you've been on the podcast? Oh, I don't remember. Um, months ago this was. Yeah. Good few months ago. And I don't think it was the Dungeons and Dragons one. No, I think it was the one after. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to go through this phone anyway. I mean, I know a lot of people saw the, the equipment that I got for Christmas and everything. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, but the problem is we haven't got a second microphone. I do apologize, Pip. So this is why we're sticking to the phone. It's okay. It's okay. So how are you? I am very good. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, a little bit tired, but that's, that's because just over, so before Christmas I had an illness and then I was, yeah. And then I was okay, um, for Christmas. And then New Year decided to backhand me with uh, another illness, but not as severe as the first one. Yeah. I had like a croaky throat. Um, did you come and watch? Because I did a pantomime. Uh, did you come watch that pantomime? Of course, I. I can't remember. I know you, you. You came to say hello. Yes, you came yes. to say hello. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember as much as 
Yes, yeah, so my, my throat wrapped in this huge scarf. scarf, and I'm like, yeah. it's fine, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, we got a lot to talk about, especially, mm. but the one thing that we're going to mention today is that um, there is a sad time because obviously we've got the award ceremonies up and running. We've mm. had the Golden Globes. Yeah. Um, but sadly, um, Elvis Presley's one and only child, Lisa Marie Pe- uh, Presley, passed away yeah, uh, from a heart really, attack. Really yeah. sad news. Yeah, but I, I remember watching the Golden Globes and I saw some pictures and she did not look well at all. Uh, I mean, looking at the Golden Globes. And this was, I mean, she passed away today. The Golden Globes were a couple of days ago. Mm. And her mum looked, I mean, 100%, um, mm. 100% uh, uh Good, fit, healthy, and yeah. Lisa just did. Lisa Marie Presley just did not look well at all. Oh, that's a shame. I haven't yeah. seen any pictures. Well, to be fair, I haven't sought out any pictures. So. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it was a nice. Well, it was a nice tour. So, um, made, I mean, I I hope one day. I mean, I'm I'm very I'm very agnostic when it comes to these superstitions anyway. But hopefully, if there is a heaven and then she gets there, um, I know I did some research and Elvis would call his daughter little one so mm. hopefully if there's another side he'll go hello little one and that'll be the first thing he will say because mm. i love elvis uh, i loved austin butler mm. playing elvis um so yeah may, may she rest in peace bless her yes definitely um going on to the golden globes mm. uh so award seasons now i'm a big massive fan of the award seasons uh despite the Many, many unnecessary or necessary controversies that goes with the award ceremonies. Um, I was taken back by some of the wins. I mean, I love, uh, I've seen The Fablemans, directed and produced and written by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, he won Best Director, Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Butler uh, won for playing Alvis. Um, but the one movie that I want to see out of all of the, the award ceremonies, and the one I don't, so there's one I want to watch, the, and there's one I don't want to watch. The one I want to watch is The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Yes, yes. I've seen the trailer, and it just looks so heartbreaking, but it it, it looks as though Brendan Fraser's got the biggest comeback of a lifetime. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, the, the stuff he's just been through as well. Mm-hmm. But the one film I don't want to see out of all of them, and I wasn't even a fan of the first one, was Avatar. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Avatar. Do you know what? My friend who works at the cinema, he sent me a text, well, he sent the group chat a message, and he was like, oh, I've just come I've just come out from seeing Avatar. And we were like, and what was your thoughts? Because obviously the first one way back when was just massive, and it was, you know thrown it had awards thrown at it from well, it's revolutionary like, apparently yeah, well revolutionary yeah um and he was like i'm not being funny but um it's pretty and <laughs> <laughs> we, we were like and and he was like mm, there's a story i think it, it's it's kind of subpar and i was like do you know what i expected it because i don't remember being overly fussed on the first film. I didn't get the... I mean, I, I can understand the revolutionary in terms of visual arts and special yes. effects and the 3D, the usage of the 3D. Because yes. it, it, I respect yeah. what James Cameron is doing because he wants to bring that cinematic feeling back mm-hmm. because he's, he's, he's very anti 
streaming. Oh, is he? He's very anti-streaming. He says, I want people to get off their butt. It, it was weird because he said, I want people to get off their butts to go to the cinema. And people were like, well, you want people to get off their butts to go and sit in another place on their butts and watch a film. But I, get, but I understand what he was coming from because he wants the magic of cinema. And that's the problem because most... It's like the the, the cinema... Um, the films that are up for nominations, right? If you look at their cinematic box office, some of them are not well received. Even The Fablemans, um, a Steven Spielberg film, mm. um, that did not do well at the box office. Um, even The West Side Story, Spielberg's version of West Side Story, that did not do well. But I always believe that was because of the contribute um, because of COVID. I, I think yes. that was because of COVID. And uh, but I really enjoyed West Side Story. I thought that was a fantastic uh, remake. Yeah. Uh, of of the film but going back on James Cameron yeah the, the, he he's very anti-streaming he I can see where he's coming from because as much as I don't like the whole idea of streaming it's unfortunately a little bit too convenient but at the same time you lose a lot of um Experience. Kind of the, the the wow factor and the experience yeah. of going to see a film that has been freshly made, you know the the whole pop, popcorn going into the big theater. I mean, come 40, on, the trailers. Yeah, the trailers for a start. I mean, who goes to a cinema to see the film when you've got the trailers? Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, it forces you to kind of turn off your phone. Yeah, and escape reality. Escape reality. Whereas um, in your own home, you have got that comfort of you know you can pause the film go to the toilet and blah, blah 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 but when your phone goes off your attention immediately detracts from the film to your phone yeah i mean and I it takes know. a while to get back into it then yeah because yeah. then you're going oh what have i missed and then um i don't know how many times i've turned around to my friends and gone oh let's you know we've all consecutively gone oh yeah we'll watch a film and then that one person just will not unglue themselves from their phone mm. and then go oh but I am watching though oh yeah. <laughs> that's, a that's the phone. thing do you know what do you know what's so brilliant about the cinema as well it makes the adverts look brilliant as well yeah whether it's a Toyota advert or where it's um an advert for a phone for Christ's sakes they it, they always make it look good and it's very convinced it's like I want to go buy that I want I want that yeah you know yeah. oh you see on the telly the adverts all the time but you can tell the have you noticed you could tell the difference when you see an advert, you're like, Pff, and when you see an advert in cinema, it's like, <gasps> you know, it, it's yeah. so spellbounding, you know, the, the trick. It's not like I said, it, or like we agreed, that the, the film itself, you are captured in the moment, yeah. right? But the trailers, the adverts, even the the fact that there is a voiceover going, right, put your phones away. It's like, oh my God, we're going into the I mean, twilight li- zone here. So. Literally, I was I was just thinking there's nothing better than going and sitting down and then just, you know, you're, you're busying yourselves, you're making yourselves comfortable, and then the lights go down, and then depending where you go, but uh, I think I always go to The View, and I sit down, and then all of a sudden you hear Mark Strong going, hello, and you're like, this is it. This 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 is the start of the yeah. film, and then you hear the voiceover that you've been and you've heard so many times that you could probably do it off by heart, hmm. but you still listen to Mark Strong and you put away your phone and you make sure that you're sat down, and then the Blacks certificate comes up. Yeah, and then that's when you get excited. Yeah, I always go to the Odeon. 
I, I know the Odin's a bit expensive, but yeah. we always... But the thing is with me and my, my fiancé, me and Emily always make a big day out. That's why we always go to the Odeon because we know, uh, no offence to The View, no offence to mm, Cineworld. Yeah, uh, nice. I'm really glad that Cineworld went into bankruptcy. That was the yeah. gut punch. I'm surprised that View hasn't really followed suit, but mm. I know that View is survived by because of British cinema, yeah. from what I've been told anyway. But Odeon is such a global yes. franchise, let's call it a business or whatever you want to call it. Um we always make a day of it going to the Odeon. Doesn't matter how much it costs us. It it's a day out. We yeah. make it the day out, and especially the fact that when you walk down the red, uh, the Red Dragon Centre, when you go into this, it is that walk where you can have mm. something to eat. You can go to Five Guys and buy, spend ridiculous amounts of money on a on a double cheeseburger and chips that you don't necessarily need to pay fifteen sixteen quid for. Yeah, but it's good though. It's good. It's good. It's good. Or you know, if, if you've got time to kill, you can go to the you know to the bar, play yeah. pool, and have a drink, and then the experience is absolutely astronomical. It, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and going what you're saying though about because we need to talk about this. Um, this is one of my pet peeves, and I've seen you cringe, and I know we talked about it um, in the last podcast. Is the usage of phones in not just cinema, but in Theatre as well. Oh, mate. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Well, you you can get angry. But here's the thing, right? I've never experienced that. And we've been on stage. Yes. I've played multiple parts where I can say, fortunately, I've not had a phone go off. Mm. But I remember a few of us have always said to each other, if a phone goes off, we stop and call it out. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we, we call it out big time, especially if it was a pantomime. I mean, the, with with pantomime, you've got, you know, you kind of, it's kind of expected that at least the dame yeah. and those kind of characters, they can turn around and, you know, make a joke of it. But in a serious... Um, Musicals. Musical you know. or play or yeah. something like that. It's a little bit difficult. Yeah, because I've I've um, seen many famous actors. I think this is the this is the thing, right? If um, because it's Amdram, mm. there's that barrier of ignore it. Yeah. But when you're on Broadway or West End, and I've read something some things where um, you you got many famous actors who have stopped the play halfway through and gone put your fucking phone away excuse my mm. french put your phone away and watch the play yeah but i think only only the like celebrities or the really famous people can do that yeah because i have also read um you know professional actors that aren't as well renowned mm. as you know um Syrian McKellen and Dame Judy Dench, Judy Dench, and, and and all these really really famous names. If he if somebody was to come straight from I don't know we'll, we'll say a school, um, and they're a professional actor and then they're acting their absolute heart out in I don't know um, the Crucible because I saw an advert for it recently. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you're acting your heart out as John Proctor and then you're going for it and you hear that phone. Yeah. If you didn't have a name to back you up 
behind you, you could not turn out and uh, turn around and point out that audience member mm. because then everyone will backlash on you. Yeah. The actor, not the person with. The and that's the most out. cynical thing as well that the backlash would go back to the actors. Like, no, you've yeah. paid money. And do you know what I hate as well? It's when people say we've paid good money to come and watch it. We'll watch the play then. Yes. You know, you you are not entitled. You do not have that entitlement to to keep your phone on. Mm. Cinemas, I know they're different, but it's still disrespectful because you are there to to have that experience. And yeah. I've I've seen it to one or two people. I've told one of them off, and one of them told me to go f myself. And I was like, mate, let's not go there because at the end of the day, you're peeing me off. Yeah. And I've got no intent. I've got no boundaries just to no hesitations even just to turn on and punch you in the face yeah um but i'm more i would tolerate it more in the cinemas because in the cinemas yeah we'll see another time when i can go back and watch it and there'll it'll be a different audience yeah um i'm not seeing that but with the theater it's 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 gonna sound dark it's real because yeah. the, the people are there they are on the stage they are playing these characters they are creating this illusion mm. and and it, all it takes is one idiot to heckle or leave their phone on. And I don't understand why people want to leave their phones on in the first place. See, I, I, I can understand an accidental one. Yeah, an accidental one is like, oh, sorry, you know. And yeah. and if, if people, and that's what I mean, though. Because I've seen it done in the, in the theatre where people have reacted like very quickly, go, oh, shoot, you know, and I've yeah. gone, fair enough, that's an accident, like, leave them alone. But then when you got people who are just sat there and they leave their phones on all the way through, I was like, you better turn your phone off, turn your phone off. Yeah. And then there were some who, who actually speak. Sp- they literally sit there and they go, hello, am I busy? No, I'm not busy. They were audacity I've actually seen that happen is unbelievable see but this is this is the reason why we've got the people on the outside so the um, ushers and that. The, the, the ushers on the outside they're supposed to be there watching for any sort of disruptive behavior yeah. like that and I know it's a boring job but it's an important job yeah see now I did it I did it for a few months in St David's Hall um, and I loved being inside so I can, you know, also watch the show, but also, it get a, you know, watch the audience. But I also had, you know, the opportunity, the opportunity to... To, to watch whatever they were watching. Um, and a couple of times they were like, oh, do you want, you know, do you want to swap over? And I'm like, no, shoo, 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 um, but, the, you know, it's really sad when you've got the ushers that use that opportunity to watch the show and they're not watching for the disruptions so you see all the people with their phones out recording it or you know answer answering the phone like you said earlier and having a full-blown conversation and the amount of times where you know you kind of sit there and you're like well where are the ushers and the ushers are either nowhere to be found or they're sat watching the show. Now, watching the show, I can I can kind of understand, but they ha- you have to have that. You're being paid aware. Yeah, yeah. I know I sometimes mean, that's just a volunteer. Yeah, I was going to say I was never paid for it. Yeah, um, which I can understand. I was like, well, no, this is my valuable time. But if you love, see, this is the thing, right, about ushers. It can get you anywhere. 
people can say a good thing about you say oh this person really loves um the theater has really put the heart and soul into being an usher and they can turn around and go do you want a job within the, the theater do you want i can refer you to so and so i know it sounds daft but it has happened yeah it has happened um, I, do, I don't want to do it personally because with me, I'm a very passionate person, which if I see a phone out and everything, I would literally be flickering my light saying, like, get out. Mm. And I wouldn't be my first, you know, the first strike or anything. No, it wouldn't be my third strike. Sorry, it would have been my first strike. Get out. Yeah. Don't disagree. But that's, I think that's because I've been on the stage. I know what it's like yes. to have that. Um, I mean, a lot of people... Are just, one of the things I always uh, say, it's cringe, I'd say, or mm. lose my core, is when people, it's like Emily, uh, she works at a chippy, and one of her colleagues turned around and went, it's easy. <laughs> Act on stage, easy. Go on, then. Oh, Jesus. It's I... like at the moment, I, I'm currently helping my, I'm currently helping Emily out with this play that uh, she's doing with a, uh, a friend, for uh for this uh, class act it's called class act theater company okay. and uh, it's for kids and i've got eight weeks to learn a script eight weeks eight, eight weeks to learn an entire script not an entire it's about 13 14 pages Ooh. of paragraph oh jeez! but i've learned some of it because i am that good um but... <laughs> i expect you to yeah um but I, but the thing is, I need to be more disciplined. I will be honest with about that. I need to be more disciplined. Say, why well, I need to sink it in. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, is like I, when it comes to other, I mean, like billboard shows and everything, I try and learn my lines within a month or two. Mm. Boom, done. Yeah. I've got it done. I'm like, right, I've got nothing to worry about now. Yeah. And if I forget a line, I can either improvise it or I just look back and swig up. But fresh in my mind, there we yes. go. But this is where people who are not theatre people, and they say, oh, it's easy and everything. It's like, well, all right, then you learn a script, you go on the stage, and you try and make it good. Because mm. I tell you what, the, ju- um, the judge, the jury, and the executioner are out there, sat down, who have paid £5, £10, £15, £20, £150 a ticket mm-hmm. to come in, sit there, arms folded, or their hand against their chin, or sat back, and their eyes are on you. And the thing is, right, there would be a theatre critic, but then it's like me and my bump have always had this um, agreement that theatre critics do not know what the hell they're talking about, i.e. Les Miserables. They've slandered it. Um, they slandered Les Miserables when it first came out. Yeah, Les Miserables is still out, still considered one of the greatest musicals of all time, so what do mm. they know? Um, but still, it's it's that word of mouth, it's that critique, it's... The, and. See, I, I think that, <laughs> I think the the biggest thing that people seem to um, not really take into account is that the critics it's their own opinion which they are valid that you know they they're quite willing to have you know they're quite right in their oh my god words they are quite within their rights to have an opinion but it should not stop other people from going to see the show just yeah. because that one particular person out of millions and millions of people mm. that one person doesn't like it for whatever reason yeah i mean i don't like hamilton no it's not my cup of tea i've, I've seen the um i've, I've seen the I, I haven't seen it live on stage i've seen the um disney plus i saw the disney plus and i 
even I was a bit taken back. So a lot of people would say, no, don't watch it on the television, go and experience it. And yeah. I was like, I said, yeah, but the, the issue I have with Hamilton, I love some of the songs. I love um, Dear Theodosia. I, I love Helpless. I love um, the Hamilton, the, the intro to the songs. There's a couple of songs I like, but there is, uh, I don't know, the, I think the hype for Hamilton, it will go down as one of the greats. I mm-hmm. will not knock that down. But for me, I think some of the rap musics are very tongue, tw- well, yeah, they're very tongue twisty. They're very, you can't understand them, and you, you're there listening, going, "What? What are they saying? What are they saying?" And I feel like it's repetitive. It's I love Lin Manuel Miranda. I hope I, yeah. I mean, if this podcast ever gets big, and Lin Manuel Miranda hears this, I'd, I'd I'd love to him to come on my podcast. But I'm not saying this in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But I've listened to um, in the Heights. Mm. And I've listened to Hamilton, and I've listened to some of, to some of his songs. Yes, his rap is so repetitive. Oh, okay, I I find it so repetitive. I don't know about you, but I find it repetitive. It's um, it's always the same beat. It's like um, it's always uh, uh, very um. It's it's very oh, okay. like that. It's very uh, it, 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 in that because I can't really explain it, and someone's gonna listen to that. I go, what the hell is he talking about? But <laughs> which I agree, I'm, I do apologize, but I can't really. I'm not a music person. Yeah, so I'm not really one of those type of people where I can label things very articulate with with music. But I always found Lin Manuel's Miranda's music in terms of rap, not songs, rap, very repetitive. Which I can, pr- I will probably agree with you. Um, but I'm not too sure whether that's because of my brain not kind of... I've never really done well with rap music, but mm-hmm. not because it's not a bop, because I can appreciate the tune. Yeah. But I just don't like something that I can't hear. Yeah. Now, with rap music... I find it's far too quick for my brain to kind of process. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> sometimes even my partner will say something and it's far too quick and I will hear three different alternatives. Yeah. Um, and so can you imagine what I'm like when it comes to quick rap? Yeah. And especially um, that song when it's, I can't remember this called, uh, was it New York, New York? Is, is it that one? Where you got um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's he's there and he's given a very quick, yeah. Bit, and I'm I'm like slow down. I I, I can understand why, but because we've heard Eminem do it, we've heard a, a lot of rappers yeah, do it. But even even then with Eminem, I'm not really I like some of his slow quick raps. Yeah. And that, but that's only because I can, well, sometimes I can understand everything yeah. that he's saying. But with certain songs, um. Excuse me. In going going back to Hamilton, in certain songs, I just don't know what they're saying. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's not a good song because all of the songs that because you know I still shed a tear at the end. Yeah. Even though I was missing half the lyrics. I think that's the reason why you shed a tear because you did not know what the friggin' because I was, was just like, what is it? What? What? What's yeah. going on? Um, but if. In all honesty, if I hadn't have watched Hamilton with the subtitles on, 
I wouldn't have a clue what went on. Mm. I th when it first came out, when I was in university, when Hamilton came out, yeah, um, it was so overhyped. It was very. It was very overhyped. I I don't think that was the fault of, like I said, Lin Manuel Miranda. Mm. I, I think a lot of people just loved it because it is a really good. I'm like I said, it's not my cup of tea, but I know it's a really good musical. It, yeah, exactly. I know it's a really good musical. Yeah. And um, it's going to be one of those that will go up there with the likes of Phantom of the Opera and uh, and so on, so and Rent, uh, yes. so on, so forth. Um, but yeah, f for me with uh, Hamilton, it was just because uh, it gave what well, the one thing I will praise it gave a lot of people opportunities uh, diverse diverse wise gave a lot of people opportunities because Lin Manuel Miranda said. Yeah, we're 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 gonna we're gonna give this a kick and edge. Yeah, are, and and it it works so well. Mm. Um, now I will admit that I haven't I haven't heard uh, what was the other one that you mentioned in the Heights. I haven't heard anything from that. I liked it. Mm. I liked in the Heights more than Hamilton. Okay, but um, I need to watch it again to actually be sure that yeah mm. I I do actually prefer in the Heights to to. Um, Hamilton, because a lot of people said, I can't remember the actor's name in the film, mm. uh, the guy who plays uh, Usnavi in the, the film, but um, when a lot of people who've seen Lin-Manuel Miranda play Usnavi on the stage, a lot of them said uh, the the guy who played, who was in Hamilton the stage musical actually, which is uh, ironically, um, when, he, when, the, when the actor played uh, Usnavi in the film, Lin-Manuel Miranda honestly said, I've written it for this actor that I didn't even know and he should have been on the stage doing it, not me. Because ah, okay. um, a lot of the audience members even said the same thing, that Lin-Manuel Miranda shouldn't have played the lead in... Well, and he admitted it as well. He said mm. he, he did it for... He did it without even knowing that yeah. he wrote it for someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like I said, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius. I love him. Um I know he's contributed to The Little Mermaid, uh, the live action, which uh, yes. that was another thing as well. I know we're doing this is this the title of this podcast is a catch up, right? We're going to yes. be talking about a lot of things. So um, the the best thing about this podcast episode for me, for my experience of listening podcasts, this one you can literally just go to specific sessions and go okay and just listen to either one because we're section people. We right? like we do. Yes, yeah, that one section, right, and then we're going to go on to a different one very quickly because we just like to chat. Yes. So, um, The Little Mermaid one, that's one of the films I'm looking I am looking forward to, but I'm not looking forward to it. And here's one of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Ones I'm not looking forward to is, example, A, Pinocchio. What, the Guillermo del Toro one? No, that was beautiful. I was going to say. That was beautiful. Shut up. No, the... <laughs> I was going to... No, was Robert gonna... Zemeckis, Disney live-action remake catastrophe one. Oh. Um, I'm a big massive. Uh, the reason why is because I felt that they heavily, they did not have. It's like the guy behind it. They had Tom Hanks's Geppetto, which I loved. Mm -hmm. I love Tom Hanks completely, but I just hope that the Razzie Awards do not consider him for worst actor because it, it was not his fault. He played a very good part. The critics actually praised um, oh, okay. the the performance. It was the fact that the overusage of um, CGI. Um, and uh, the lack of storytelling and everything, because towards the end of the Disney version, that is, of uh, Pinocchio, you don't know whether or not he turns into a real boy or not. They just left it, oh yeah, and he's a real boy at heart. It's like, no, no, stop it. 
And guess who was behind directing it and wrote it and produced it? Robert Zemeckis, the guy who made Back to the Future. Oh. It's like, come on, mate, you're better than that. Oh, I was so disappointed. I was really disappointed. Luke Evans was in it as well, and he dropped the bollocks word as well in a in a kids Disney. film in a Disney, fi- not just a Disney film. Wait, who does he who does he play in? He plays the carriage driver. Oh, the one who basically basically he was like a, a mixture of um, he was the mixture of the carriage driver and uh, the other guy who runs the park and everything yes, and. Yes. Uh, Oh my god! I mean, he was brilliant in it, unrecognizable, but he literally blurted out the line "bollocks" in a Disney—not just a Disney film, but a remake of a classic. Yeah. I'm like, that is not your fault, Luke Evans. Bach. That is not your fault at all. But I, I will accept. I will accept that. That is the fault of Robert Zemeckis, and I hope he gets all the nominations for the Razzie Awards. I just don't want Tom Hanks to get any, because they're. they're uh, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm gonna. I don't want to go offline about Tom Hanks because I love him, but yeah, yeah. So the reason I worry about that because of the little mate is because of the overuse of CGI, mm. and it's the fact that it's not just it's not just Pinocchio. I don't want to blame so much on Pinocchio. It's the fact that Disney's attitude to live action remakes has always been a cash money grab scheme. I don't mind. You want to make money off the classics? Oh, I'd be a dick and do that, right? I'm still going to call you a dick. Is why? Yeah. Um, why do you want to do it? But at least make the stories so uh, make the characters relatable. Make yeah. him, make the stories good. Mm. At least hire a scriptwriter who is actually gonna go right. I can I can make it a good story. At least make do that. Yeah. Put that effort in, and everyone could go. Yeah, that was a good remake. It's like Beauty and the Beast. I enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't, but I enjoyed because I thought the story still had um, gravitas. Yeah. To it. The Lion King, the Lion King remake. The, only, the reason why I didn't like it was because obviously they tried to make the. Um, the reason why the Lion King original worked was because it was an animated, you had the expressions, but how can yes. you how can you show expression, expressions from a real life tiger or lion or hyena and everything like that? Yeah. You just can't. You can't. It's the- like, it's very bland. It's like Simba. And I, you can't see it right now, but I'm putting on a bland face. Yeah. It's just you, you can't. Yeah, because the, because the, well, the animal kingdom, apart from you know the humans apes, and from, apes, apart from apes, they haven't got the facial structure to be able to kind of express emotion. Express emotion. And John Favreau directed that as well. <sighs> see now, I did enjoy the the, um, jungle. the jungle book. Yeah, yeah, jungle I book. did really enjoy the Jungle Book. Yeah, because they were, I mean, all right, tigers, they can a bit. I don't know so much about lions. They just go ah, ah and that's it. And yeah, that was that was my little lion impression, people. <laughs> but yeah, Disney's and their live action remakes. Now, the one thing I like about um, Disney's live action remakes, I'm not even. I don't know what I'm talking about here because I've I've just gone completely off topic. But it's it's the Little Mermaid. That I yes. mean, Melissa McCarthy is a big gamble. Um, I've not heard the woman sing. If people have, send it my way. I want to listen to it. But I did. I, I at the moment, me and Emily are thinking, why didn't the woman who was in the Greatest Showman play Ursula? Um, oh, the bearded her, woman. Because yes. I, I was. I think she was the favorite. Because so the great when the, when the Greatest Showman came out, yeah. there was talks of 
the Little Mermaid coming back, and that's why a lot of people went. She's your Ursula. Yeah. She's your, she's got the stage presence. She's got Broadway experience. I mean, she's a great singer. She's a wonderful singer. Yeah. Greatest Showman again, an overrated film. Um, very, very okay. extremely overrated film. Um, Unfortunately, I do prefer some of the um, the covers that I've heard of certain songs. Me and my partner sat there and watched it when I was in London, um, and I was so disappointed with it. I feel really bad for saying it, but the, I mean the songs. The songs are fantastic, but I you don't. I just don't get the hype. No. Why? Because Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman. I can't wait for him to come back as Wolverine. I uh, absolutely adored him on stage when he did Oklahoma. Yeah. But any, unfortunately, anything Broadway esque esque from and since that um, hasn't really gone down well with yeah. me because it. It's, I think it's the, not that good. I think the problem with uh, The Greatest Showman was that, no pun intended, they they wanted to sell it as, oh, this is going to be the great musical film ever. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. But they, they tried to hype it as, this is the greatest musical film ever. And it was also, um, it was supposed to be like a contender for La La Land. All right, La La Land is, what is, is a musical film that is... If it didn't have the songs, it would have been a, a very nice, artistic, independent film. Oh, okay. Um, but La La Land, I think it, that's the same. A lot of people don't get the the hype of it and everything. Unfortunately, I never watched it because I was so disappointed with The Greatest Showman. I was like, well... But that's the competitiveness because La La Land is this artistic musical film which mm. uh, pays tribute to some of the classics and pays tribute to jazz and it's, it's oh, so okay. many themes and everything five star reviews oscar wins galore uh, and then the greatest showman came out the critics the critics loved la la land the critics did not love um, the greatest showman um oh, because la la land was more subtle down to earth because la la land it was very musical in a sense that yeah you had your dance moves you had your numbers and everything but it wasn't Ta-da! as any musical was, whereas mm. Great Showman it was, and people didn't like it, but I don't blame the critics for not liking it, because it was an overhyped film. Yeah. Anyway, um, so The Little Mermaid. Yes. <laughs> so who, who's playing Ursula in the little... In the Melissa show? McCarthy. McCartney. Melissa McCarthy. Uh, she was in oh. Bridesmaids. She was, she was in Ghostbusters. Oh, her. Yeah. The female version of Ghostbusters. Why? Um, I'm I'm not gonna overrule because she is a good actress. I I I know what you're gonna probably say, but Melissa McCarthy. I've seen her in the film Can You Ever Forgive Me, mm-hmm. and it she played and it was a serious uh, drama role, and she was really good in it. And we all know she's a good comedic actress when a right comedy script comes her way. Mm. Um, I always just think it. I always think of Melissa McCarthy as this angry comedic persona. Yeah. She's always angry. It's like, oh, you... And then she drops the F-bomb in her. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll mention some comedies. A bit like, it's a bit like Will Smith. You, you only remember Will Smith as the shouty, over-the-top um, comedic actor. 
yeah. yeah, but yeah, so Little Mermaid, the only thing I've got in hopes is the fact that Rob Marshall is directing it, and obviously he's got the caliber of musical films galore because he did Chicago, he did Nine, he did Annie, the TV one with uh, Kathy Bates as yes. Miss Hannigan. Nice. So I, I know it could be in safe hands, but um, it's, it's the fact that the one thing I... I want to say and I want to publicly say this right the people that complained about um Hayley Bailey I think her name is yes um being criticized like oh it's a black little mermaid it's, it's like fuck off mm. fuck move on just get a get a life she's an actress she's a singer mm-hmm. oh god I just I just hope she does justice as Ariel, as a performer. Yes. I hope the film does justice. If it doesn't, then Disney do need to reevaluate on, right, we need to actually not do any more yes. live action remakes. And this is the reason, right, I mean, if I was on the board of Disney and someone said, right, how are we going to make loads of money? I'd be putting my hand up and going, uh, create original ideas. Yes. Disney was built on a lot of people would be especially a lot of people who anti Disney or conspiracy. It was like, oh no, Disney was built on this, this, and that, and reason. Like, oh, shut the fuck up. Um, I mean, come on. I mean, why do we sit here and talk about Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, um, Aladdin, uh, Oliver and Company? Yes, I'm going to talk about Oliver and Company because that's one of my favorite Disney films. So I kiss my ass. Yes. Uh, um, Billy Joel, in, who's playing like the artful Dodger dog in it. Oh, yes! <laughs> uh, Billy Joel, man. I mean. Uh, See, the, the live action, the, the two live actions that I really want and we're probably never going to get Treasure Planet. And Atlantis. And Atlantis. Oh. And we're never gonna get. We're never them. gonna see it because we're never gonna get them. because they because they didn't do well at the box office in those animated films. They're gonna be like, oh, no one's gonna remember them. Who's gonna remember? I was like, yeah, but you, Treasure Planet is one of those films where you can use over the top CGI. Yes. You can get away with a lot of things that people don't like about um, CGI's computer graphics and stuff. It's like you got it there. Yeah. And because the thing is, if they. If they applied the wondrous, beautiful um, visual and sound elements from yeah, um, uh, uh, what what we spoke uh, Avatar yeah from Avatar and merged it with the story of Treasure Planet because everyone knows the story of Treasure yeah. Planet or or um, Treasure Island tre- yeah, Treasure Island. Because, but in space. Yeah, because we know that story, all you have to do is literally put visual element plus you put story Avatar. already yeah. made. Make the baby yeah. and bang, profit. Mwah. Yeah, and you literally go... And I, lit- yeah. I would literally go to the cinema ten times to watch that. 100%. Yeah, and my my favourite character in it was uh, Long John Silver. Yes. And the thing is, he wasn't, a, he wasn't the villain. No. And he... And, he was literally... I mean, he wasn't exactly a good guy. No, he was an anti-hero, he, wasn't he? He basically yeah. was there for himself, but yeah. he loved the kids. Yeah. He took him in as one of his own. Yeah. And it's the fact at the end that you could still love him, and then when the hero looks up to the stars and then he sees Long John Silver giving that little twinkle in the, in the stars and that, you think, oh, Long John Silver's my guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, Atlantis, I haven't seen Atlantis for a while, so I can't really say about much on the, the oh. plot and everything, but... 
Yeah, I can understand that, but I think that's what Disney needs to do. But things for me, I mean, being a scriptwriter and all, I love originality. Yes. You know, and I, I'm not against adaptations. By all means, make a lot of adaptations if you want. I mean, mm. this is one of the reasons why we talk about Moana, we talk about Frozen, we talk about The Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, we talk about Cinderella, we talk about Sleeping Beauty. The reason why we talk about all these films is because, yeah, there's some original elements to it and they're really, really good. Whereas if you just want to keep remaking and remaking and remaking stuff, well, where's your originality? Because mm. it will dry up. People yeah. just won't go and watch it. Yeah, so I don't understand why they don't go back to what they did and go to storybooks. Yeah. Because, you know, Aladdin is from, um, is it 100, uh, 101 um, Arabian Nights or, yeah, or something like that, which is like an anthology of stories. Yeah. Alice of Wonderland is his own set of books in its own right. Yeah. You've... Um, what Snow White, you know, yeah, Snow well, White, just the go... grim stories. Yeah, oh, I did the no pun intended, grim and everything. But come on, Disney, you can just let you go. Yeah, we're not going to do that ending. We're going to think a very nice ending, and we're not going to. Yeah. You can do. I mean, Little Mermaid. Come on, in the original story, she dies. Yeah, she sews her feet together and drowns. Does she? Yeah, I don't think she does. She does. I don't think she sews her feet together. Oh, she couldn't find the true love, and then she just no. She, no, she if I if I remember correct if I'm remembering correctly, she found the love of her life, um, but he was getting married to someone who he thought uh, either someone he thought was her or somebody else. Mm. Um, but then she, I think she was just like wasting away, and then her sisters. Um, sold their hair to Ursula to get the dagger and they said that if they drop either I've heard two different versions of this either she had to kill him and then use the blood to turn her feet back into tail or to um, stab his feet to get the blood either way he had to she had to stab him to get the blood to turn her two feet back into a tail but she didn't do that. Uh, instead, she just left it. She just left the dagger by the side. And I think she wrote him a note. And then she just stood and waited until the sunrise and she turned into foam. Sea foam. Hmm. Yeah, no, that was it. But then I heard another story where she just sits on the rock and she tries sewing her feet back together. Oh, wow. And then she jumps in the water and she drowns. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of similar in some ways, yeah. apart from the film, but yeah. It's... I mean, there's so many different iterations. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I mean oh my God, I mean, they could I mean, do so much. They could I mean, do so much, Disney. With, it's the same with Snow White. Yeah. If they, for example, if they remade Snow White, you could put in the bit about the bodice, you could put in the bit about the comb, because none of that was mentioned in, in the animated bit. Yeah. In the story, the... The queen attempts to kill this girl like three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, successfully, quote, quote, with the apple. Yeah. And she dies at the end, don't she, the queen, as the old hag. Yeah. Yeah, thunder, lightning strikes the rocks and she falls to her death. I can't remember if that's in the... Um... Not in the original. I can't remember. No, but in the original film. In, oh, yeah, in the original film. In the film, original yeah, cartoon yeah. Disney-esque film. Yeah, That's yeah, what happens. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, going back on the little moment, I just hope they just do it justice. I will go and watch it because me, and I, I mean, one of the th- one of the best things I've ever seen was my missus playing Ursula. She really wanted that part in in the uh, Brain Avenue School production of uh, Little, Mermaids. Little Mermaids, and she done it, and she done it so well. She so did do it very well. Yeah, so I, I remember coming to see that. Oh, I was proud of her. So proud of her. Well, I was just, I was um, part of the stage crew, so oh. I got to see her every single day doing it. Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalised keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewellery whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary or maybe it's for someone's birthday maybe something for Christmas, or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts is the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villag Morgan, CF627EB, or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk, or maybe just give them a call at Oh, double seven eight nine nine four two four eight. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film, or even theater. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So, do you want to have experience in making jewelry? Do you want to pick up a hobby? But do not know what to take or where to start, then look no further than the Veil Jewelry Workshops. Veil Jewelry Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewelry. They will help you make a range of silverware, including rings, bracelets, and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills, such as soldering, texturing, shaping, and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewelry, and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or even phone them at 07789794248. Right, I want to talk about, there's one thing I really want to talk about and it's like last year I always felt that uh, it was going to be, for me anyway, the, uh, the theatre of the year for me. Mm-hmm. in terms of getting projects on the go and projects done and and uh, one thing I want to talk about is um, tell you to get something off my chest is how I uh, I don't know if people saw it but I wrote a play in one day a small 30 minute play in one day called A Writer's Guide to Madness of Success and Failures and uh, one one thing that uh, the one reason I did it was because I got turned down, uh, a, not a job offer, there was a job going, I applied and I got turned down from another theatre industry for the 1400th time. So in out of anger, I wrote this play, which is like um, two playwrights who are angry at producers for cancelling their play and they're back to square one. Mm. Um, uh, I remember performing it at the, the other room theatre and one of the things that you guys need to understand if you're going to go and and do a play yourselves or you're working with people be aware 
that it is in a spontaneous moment that you will not know how many people will come and watch your show when it's relatively new. That's number one. Number two, you need to be very firm and very um, straightforward when it comes to box office payments. Right. And number three, do it uh, with the people that you love and do it with the people that you really trust in when it comes to performing. Number three, I did it with the person I absolutely love and trust. Not Emily, it was a dear friend of mine, uh, Lewis uh, Arnold, and I'll tell you the, the story of it if you'd like to hear it. Yes, let's go. So so I wrote this play called The Writer's Guide to Madness of Success and Failures because I was angry and I wrote it as a comedy play. There we go. Um, I was going to do it in a pub somewhere. I was going to do it in a pub. I don't know if it was going to be in Cardiff or in Barry. I, I did not know where. I just wanted it to be a small stage. People could come and watch, pay a fiver, and that would be it. So then the other room theatre. Now, I'm going to say this now. I'm not slagging off the, the other room theatre company. They, they were brilliant. I don't know what was happening on their side, what I'm going to tell later down the line. But they're brilliant. I do a play with them again uh, at their venues because it was fantastic. So... Um, they were looking for plays, try your own art scheme, and it was because obviously the other room theatre is moving to different venues with porters because the Harley Court building is basically up for sale, it's been bought out, so they got to move, and they thought the last few things is to give playwrights or people a chance to put their play on. Um, so I submitted it. I was going to put myself in it because I didn't do much performance uh, for a while. And I was going to direct it. And obviously, I was going to work closely with the other room theatre company to produce it. Mm-hmm. They were going to sort out the financial side of things. So put the tickets up, etc. I was going to be worried about getting another actor, getting rehearsal space, etc. Lewis Arnold, Lewis John Arnold, my one of my dearest friends who I became friends with through Emily, who's gone really jealous now because uh, she was in the class with Lewis and I became best buddies with him. Mm. Um, he was, I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this, but he was really down and out. Um, it was in the last few weeks, or uh, the last month or two of his course, his master's course, and he was considering dropping out because he missed four or five weeks of classes. Mm. He didn't have a final production because in, in your master's, you've got to put on a, either a production or you got to write a dissertation. And he had nothing, literally nothing oh, planned or prepped or anything like that. So um, I had this off. I had this opportunity to go and put one of my plays on. And I've always said to Lewis that I've always wanted to do a play with him because he's a right character. Mm-hmm. Emily turns to me and says, get Lewis on the phone right now, and here's the reason why. And so what happened was uh, he had a lot of personal problems with work, with his girlfriend, uh, which they're fine now, happy days. Um, Good, good. uh, But he was down, he was depressed, he felt like he was slacking and everything, and he was going to drop out of the course with a month or two months before finishing the final module. So I turned to Lewis and said, look... Why don't you do this play with me? We'll make you a co-producer. We'll say you co-directed it. And we'll, whatever you need to put down in your essay or you need to say in your um, to the lectures, because the lectures uh, that he had, I was taught by. Mm. I said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it into a proper... Even though I did all the work, I said to Lewis, 
by all means, give yourself credit. I don't care. Yeah. Um, which he did. And the, t- the lectures turned around and said, you know what? That's fine. I went to a meeting with him to meet the head of drama, mm. uh, Michael Carklin, legend. And he said, that's absolutely no problem. So basically, I dragged him out of the mud and said, right, come on then, let's do this. Because he was going to get marked on it. Mm. So I don't know if he was going to get marked on his performance because he could get marked on anything. And that was the best thing I've ever heard. So we we started improvising and uh, we've broken one or two tables along the way. Ah, yes. Um, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, we've broken one or two tables. Uh, there was a bit where... Lewis, there's a phone rings and Lewis slides across the table. He grabs the phone, but he falls off it. What happened was, and this was in rehearsals, it didn't happen in in the show. Mm. Um, he runs across, he slides across the table, but the table of one of the, the two legs uh, snapped and the table just went boom and slanted and it broke. And we were like, oh my God, and the entire table just broke underneath him. So we hit the table. Because yeah. uh, it belonged, it was a uh, property of the University of South Wales atrium. So uh, we hid the table because we did not want to get a massive fine. Um, <laughs> so we didn't tell anyone about that. We just, I told uh, Emily and we told her one or two of the, the classmates and they didn't say anything about it. Oh, and that was another thing. There was another class that was rehearsing. Not class, another, some classmates of Lewis and Emily's who were rehearsing next door. And one of them who was not well liked at all within the class came in and told us quote unquote politely to keep the noise down and we're like no fuck off we're rehearsing mm. mind your own business yeah so we we got around to it and when it came to the actual show day uh we had one issue no uh for the dress and tech run which was on the the opening night mm. we would try from the University of South Wales atrium all the way down the road to Porters, me and uh, the tech guy were going to take a table, a metal table, from the university to um, to Porters to use it as a desk. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, it's not too far. I, yeah, I was just it's, it's not far, but when yeah. you're carrying a table, a table. Uh, it's it's a bit far fetched, especially across that busy road. Yeah, that, that is was, yeah. not fun. I bet two security guards stopped us. Um, because they weren't aware that we were going to take it. Oh, right. So, um, we, Lewis had a meeting with one of the lecturers and thankfully the lecturer literally just sent a quick email on her phone to say, look, they're taking it, they're taking whatever they need. And they've gone, all right, fair enough. Go on in. But that was stressful. That took an hour or two hours of our time. Opening night. And we had over, now keep this in mind. This was a 47-seated venue. We had 25 people there. So in a sense, that was a success. And oh my God, we nearly corpsed two or three times. Really? We nearly corpsed because it was just, we knew we had a success. Yeah. We we knew we did well. And the people that laughed, I mean, some of the things we did. I mean, Lewis, bless him, there's a scene where um, I, I we were talking about this play, Wojciech. And I was telling. Oh uh, God, Wojciech. Yeah, but I took the I took the Mickey out of it. Okay. So we were taking the Mickey, and there's a bit where we're behind the tables, and I said, "Oh, he proceeds to drown him." So I grab Lewis's head, and I'm pretending to drown him. And Lewis said, "Let's do it behind the table." And I was like, "Oh, okay, no problem." And as we were doing it, Lewis then proceeded to headbutt the table. <gasps> oh. Um, 
intentionally headbutt the table. I mean, full on bang, hit the boom, hit the table. And every single person literally just did what you did and went, ooh, you know, gasped and awed and everything. And uh, someone, I, I can just hear, I think it was my band actually, because he was there at opening night. Emily was there at opening night and a few of... Um, people that we knew were there on opening night mm. and someone said i don't think that was meant to happen <laughs> and uh, we, we carry it was a very it's a physical comedy play yeah we, we literally were inspired by a lot of comedians like mm. lee evans malcolm and wise uh the two ronnies and uh, a couple of other bits and pieces that we took yeah and one thing, yeah, so the opening night was a huge success. I mean, we were literally on, we were in ecstasy, basically. We, we were on a high. Um, we felt like we were on top of the world. We felt like, oh, my God, we can't wait for, because uh, we did it for three nights. Mm. Um, we did it for three nights. And, yeah, opening night, Emily said she was very proud of me. Her friends uh, came along and, you know, that one or two of them are very blunt when it comes to performance. But they both of them turned around and said oh we loved it it was brilliant oh my god that was funny and I wrote this play with, within a day mm. and I'm good you you didn't turn up <laughs> I know I was I was busy I must have been busy because normally I do like to um, support people in their endeavours yeah um, but there, there must have been a reason to why I couldn't I, you must have told me and I wasn't I wasn't hurt but yeah, I, I, I'll just let no, you know. I, I, I was very, I was very upset that I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't go to see it. But don't worry, me and Lewis are planning to do another one. Good, good. So good. we're doing another comedy play. Well, I want to do another one with him. Yeah. So and we've, I think we're going to do this one in a in a pub. So uh, hopefully. Yeah. Do you think? Um. Well, something like the the social club, like a social club, like the catacombs. You know, they got oh, that little stage. Right. So yes. it's it's not like we need the usage of headsets or anything and we could just use basic lighting yeah yeah so um yeah we went high and one of the things i was really proud of was um in in comedy you have what you call uh, the the tip of the tongue the teeth the lips moment tongue tie comedy and there's a bit where me and lewis are going back and forth on this particular one where he pulls out a gun so uh, in, in terms of the story the two playwrights are going to go plan and rob a producer to take the money and try and put their play on mm -hmm. with that money. Um, so I take the gun off him and I'm going, where did you get this? And he goes off oh, from a friend of a friend of a friend. Now, the usage of the F, you know, any words that begin with F, that was going to be the tongue tie. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it was it was a back and forth scenario, which in end, it concluded with me going... So this friend of a friend of a friend who deals in firearms didn't fight in the Second World War but fought in the First World War. And the reason why he didn't fight in the Second World War is because in the First World War, he contracted frightfully French frantic fever in the fields of France from a guy called Fritz. Something like that, right? Some, okay. Something like that, right? And I remember everyone started laughing and... It's one of those ones where you want a round of applause because you've put so much in. That's not even in the script. <laughs> That's the one thing that people I want people to realise. That was not in the script mm. at all. We literally improvised it and kept rehearsing it and experimented with it. And afterwards, my band was saying to me, I really wanted to clap. And I was like, well, why didn't you? And he was like, oh, but no one would join in. It's like, yeah, but if one claps, then everyone yeah. joins in. And I, I would have just... I think then I'm. I think I'm glad because I would have caught because I would have gone. That was really good. Yeah. But then second night came. Uh huh. Oh my god. Guess how many people turned up, Pip? 
Um, Out of 47 seats, by the way. Go on, have a guess. Uh, I, I'm... 10? No. More? Less. <gasps> Five? Four. Oh! Yeah, four. Oh, no. Yeah, so me and Lewis, we were worried on... Because the, the problem on... The, it was This was on the Saturday. Mm. Friday night, successful. Second night, uh, only two people turned up. And that was uh, Lewis's brother and Lewis's brother's partner. And then Alana Fazanelli and Ryan Sutton. They were the only four that turned up. And we were told that um, eight people were going to come. Then half hour before we were meant to go on, we were told literally four people cancelled. Then another one cancelled and the one didn't turn up. Um, so it was down to four. Uh, so we were really, really hoping for people just, and we were, do you know what? I I remember going up to people in the, in the pub and saying, do you want to come watch the show? We haven't got many people come and watch us all. Please come watch us all. And people were like, no, no, thank you. Uh, bugger off and everything like that. And so we said to, me and Lewis said to each other, listen, your brother and your partner, or uh, your brother's partner is is in the audience. My Two of my closest friends are in the audience. Let's give them a show of the lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to get too personal in terms of Lewis's business, but Lewis didn't see eye to eye with his brother. Right. I'll say that in the most diplomatic way. Yeah. And so he, uh, there's a bit where he rants in this moment, like he rants and he was literally, we give ourselves the authority to go and break the fourth wall at times. And um, and he literally went off on his brother. I mean, he was like that up in his brother's face and everything. And I had to slap, slap him out of it, which was planned, yeah. by the way. Um, but... What's the one thing, Pip, when you're, when you're doing a comedy, what gets you going when you're doing a comedy play? What's the one thing that motivates you to keep going? Uh, an audience reaction. Laughter. Yeah. You need laughter. Yeah. People will, ch I mean, the four of them, I'm not going to blame because cause sometimes it messes with your head mentally. If there's not many people there and you laugh, it's like an embarrassing yeah. uh, rebound for you. Mm. But I hear chuckles. Now that got me going but Lewis felt flat yeah he felt flat he felt like oh my god I can't do this so we kept going and we kept going and in the end we um we, we finished we took the bows and to be honest with you I, I don't think I I think I said this to Lewis because we went to the uh the pub afterwards the golden cross which was down the road mm -hmm. but it was the most heart not heartbreaking heart wrenching or gut wrenching that's the word gut wrenching feeling because we we were, i felt proud yeah. that we we did it we yeah. we could turn around and say we performed in front of four people so doesn't matter who's paid what doesn't matter if one person turned up we give that person that show for a lifetime yeah. um but lewis literally was i mean the brightness in his eyes just turned dark. I mean, he was absolutely mortified with himself. He felt like he could have done a better job. And I said, look, mate, don't worry. It's 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 okay. Shit happens. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the pub. Let's have a pint and we'll talk about it, right? Mm. Now, I went to go and see Alana and, and Ryan outside the bar, but they must have left. So I thought, right, they must be outside. I'll go and catch up with them. This bouncer 
who was there the night before on the Friday night. He was there on the Saturday night. He was monitoring because it was um, freshest week, freshest night. Oh yes. So, uh, but the thing is, I was in my Barrytown top football mm. shirt and I was in black trousers, so I was like half in, half out of my costume. Oh okay. So. I, I ran out and I said to the bouncer, I'm just going to go say goodbye to one of my friends. I ran out. They weren't there. They must have left early or something, which is fine. I, mm. I mean, no biggie. Mm. But as I went to go back in, the bouncer, the same bouncer who was there the night before and was there tonight would not let me in. I was like, mate, I just, I work here. Theoretically, I did because I was doing a show. Yeah, And uh, I said, mate, I, I've just done a show. You saw me leave the venue. And he was like, no, I'm not letting you in without ID. And I was, because I had a bad, we've had a bad performance night, mm. and obviously I saw my mate, you know, he was down and out and everything, um, I was not in the best of moods now. He was not giving me, um, he was not giving me the the most positive attitude. He was literally there going, you you will give me your ID. Uh, I'm not letting you in. I was like, mate, I've just been performing here. I said, my stuff is in the theatre. I work in a theatre. I'm not going to get a drink. Mm. I'm going in the theatre. You and I don't care. I need to your ID. And he, we were arguing back and forth. I was like, mate, I don't care what you say. I'm still going in there with you effing like it or not. Mm. And he was like, oh, I don't care. So basically, I just brushed right past him, opened the door, and he followed me into the theatre. And he was like... And he was having a go with me as I went into the theatre and I literally just bursted out right in front of the front of house manager, right in front of the tech, our tech guy who was helping us out and right in front of Lewis. I was like, mate, I, I won't swear on, on here because obviously I've got a grandfather next door in the room as well. Yeah. So um, I said, don't you effing understand that I've just walked into the effing theatre and all my effing stuff is here. And even the tech guy was literally saying, look, they've been performing tonight. So why are you asking him for his ID? Mm. It's like surely he's not under the age. I mean, come on. I mean, I got grey hairs. Look at my grey hairs for Christ's sakes, right? I got streaks of grey hairs coming. So surely that's an indicator. So he went off and got his boss. He went off and got his boss. Came back. The boss said, "How come you haven't got ID with you?" I said, "Mate, I'm performing here." Yeah. I said, "What are you not understanding? I am performing here." You went on next time. Have some ID. I was like, "Why would I need ID when I'm working here?" Yeah. And I blurted out right in front of the new boss. I was like, why the freaking hell would I do that? Mm. I was like, do your effing job properly. Yeah, that, that should have been the final case of me getting chucked out. But luckily, Lewis calmed me down. Yeah. But so, at the same time, you turned around to him before you left. And I said, I'm just going to see my friend. Yeah. He saw you. He should have seen you leave the building. Yeah. If you were already in the building, then I don't know why he didn't yeah. just allow you... But Anyway. What I should have done, because I've only just noticed this afterwards. So in the beer garden, there was actually an entrance point. So if he didn't let oh, me in, I would have oh. just literally just wa walked around the building, and gone through the beer garden and gone through that way. Yeah. And the stage door was there. I could have easily just knocked on the door and they would have let me in. But I yeah, so we went to the Golden Cross afterwards and me and Lewis were sat there and Lewis was feeling sorry for himself. And I felt bad for Lewis. Um, but then we were talking about, it and I said, "Look, tomorrow, I know for a fact we got more than twenty people coming. Let's give them a let's give them a good send off." Yeah. And uh, we did. It was basically, if you looked at it as a, like like a graph, so it it started off. I mean, it it oh, I can't words cannot describe how opening night was a big big success for us in terms of the audience. I don't care about the money. 
the audience response that was the mm. one thing because i i've always felt that yes when it comes to reading other people's scripts i in terms of comedy i now feel comfortable that i can write comedy i can write but and then i it dipped a bit because the audience there was not many people there um but then the third one uh some of my family members came and watched my nan on my father's side and then she's very she's a very um uh what's what's the word i'm very what's the word i'm looking for she's very um back straight straightforward woman uh she doesn't need foul language to express it. she's a very punctual intellectual woman um she is a very uh firm lady but loving she's mm-hmm. she's not like the nan you see here mm-hmm. in this house she's complete opposite she's very hmm, like that and everything and okay. uh, she's not posh mm. by far she's not posh uh, <laughs> but then again she said i'm a, uh, but then she did say i was raised in panath i was like well you could have well. fooled me nan <laughs> well you could have fooled me nan um so anyway people won't understand this from america just 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 uh think of i don't know uh I don't know. Think of, no, I don't know. Think of upper class Washington DC. Think of that. I don't know. As Penarth. But there we go. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, we do that. We, we do that. And people from Billboard came to watch. And uh, oh, my family yes. came to watch. And we had a lot of the, And the laughter that we got was uh, was fantastic. And um, But then afterwards, then my nan turned around. And even my, my, my bump on my mum's side, uh, they both turned around and said... Um, uh, Reese, the, the only thing we did not like about the play was the use of foul language. And I was like, ah, okay. <coughs> okay. Uh, no yeah. point. But she was like, but my nan was like, you were very, very good. Uh, honestly, it was completely different. You've got this range, blah, blah, blah. And my auntie came and watched it. And my dad's sister and my dad's sister's uh, girlfriend. And they brought a friend along. And, oh, it was it was brilliant. I felt like, oh, my God, we, we ended that chapter on a on a high Good. and it made me promise to myself that um in the future i will write comedy plays with no foul language in whatsoever that, that yeah, was i think one thing that the, the thing that people don't really seem to understand is that yes foul language is fine and it can be amusing in certain aspects but you don't you don't need foul language no you I mean, know falling someone falling in a nice way yeah like slipping on a banana peel that that's the reason is like oh you know and the reactions the facial reactions is like oh this is one of the reasons why you we, british sitcom comedies like mm-hmm. only falls and horses the vicar of dibley um i know they have some language but it's very rare yeah very rare that they see it. i mean look at the morecambe and wise for example when have you ever heard them actually say the word shit mm. if just that word ever yeah, well, the same as Monty Python is. I'm trying. I know to, Monty Python. I'm uh, trying to reel through all the stuff. Like, Life of Brian. No, I think Life of Brian um, used foul language. They're like, oh, how do you want us to leave? So like, just fuck off, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's use Morecambe and Wise for example. Right. I mean, one of my favorite sketches that they done was the Mastermind one, and. Um, uh, I love the bit where it's like uh, anywise something university and he keeps answering the questions before they even answers or whatever mm. and then you got uh, more Eric Morkin he comes on and he goes oh, uh, what's your school uh, Morkin infant school <laughs> you know it's just that <laughs> oh and it was oh I love it I just love Morkin and Wise it's brilliant but that was yeah so 
it, it made me swear to myself that yeah I, I promise that I will not mm. put foul language in any of my comedic plays unless if I have to if I do you know what I always go up to my my, my grandfather I always go to him and say look does this work and then you will go oh and if he finds it funny I go right there we go there we go that job done whatever um but then we had to wait so we did this in oh September no September October yeah we did this in September didn't get paid till November that's not I wouldn't have said that was too bad that's not too bad. Yeah, but we did not know we were going to get paid. Split the box oh. office. We did not know. That's the only fault I'm, I'm ever going to say about them. Yeah. It, it was that we did not know. Because every time we I sent an email saying, look, when when are we going to get this and whatever, they kept saying, right, we'll let you know in the week and the week, doesn't, the week comes by and they didn't tell me. Now, I'm not going to ridicule them or criticise them. They are professional. They, um, they are a top, top theatre company mm. in Cardiff and it's a it's great that we have a pub theatre in Cardiff um, the only thing I would have said was that they should have been more clear with when they were gonna give us our share of the profits or of mm. the box office or just a bit more clarity that that's all I that's the only yeah. critique yeah I could ever give them it was, it was not like um it was not like I, I hold any grudges. I want to do it again with them. I just felt like, yeah, can you just let us know? Just just mm-hmm. let us know, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, because, you know, like in some agencies, right, like creative casting and uh, some extra work, right, they let you know in their con- in, in the agreements that you will be paid within, what was it, like within a month to three months mm. or between up to three months. Yeah. And then you, you, you read that and you go, okay. And then when three months is up and you have an urgency, then you can have every then right to call. Yeah. You have every right to call them. But with when you don't tell people that that sort of um, heads up kind of way, mm. then that's when you think, right, come on, you're messing around here. Yeah. But then I was fine. I, I really enjoyed it. The people there, they were lovely. They were patient. Sometimes I felt bad because I was confronting them and... In the end, me and Lewis, out of the splitting of the profits and everything, we took about £110 each. Nice. I was like, yeah, £110 for three days' work. Yeah, whatever. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So when when does the, um, when do they move? I don't know. Uh. I really don't know. And um, uh, it's like I've emailed them about another specific thing I'm not going to say on uh, the podcast because I got to email them again mm-hmm. to say, oh, can we arrange this deal? Nice. Uh, so, Very uh, nice. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hmm. And other than that, I've got a lot of projects on the go, a lot of projects that I want to do. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to do is audio dramas on Creative Space. Very nice. Yeah. So... Um, that's that's yeah that's the entire thing. That's uh, the next thing. Um, but that's my story of a writer's guide. I feel like I've gone on forever, you know. <laughs> so how would you combat um, writer's block? Writer's block, right? Here we go. Now, because you wanted to talk about this, because I would sort of bring this up because yeah. I was thinking about this. Um, so. During lockdown, I came into contact with Showface Festival and um, I wrote a small little piece um, 
for that and I also participated as an actor in another yeah. thing. Um, now, I will say, to be fair, I wasn't expecting it, but in the when the one that I acted in, um, we recorded this, we re- recorded the, um, the piece, but then the audience had 24 hours to vote who survived out of me, this other girl, and this lad. Mm-hmm. I w- and then whoever won had to do a live reading of their monologue like that that evening now let me tell you i was not expecting it to be me <laughs> that is for sure so um i had the i, I had the message uh, when it closed from the director and i was like i, I beg your pardon what <laughs> they were like i hope you've learned it and i was like of course i've learned it but oh my god so i I turned around to Geraint, I turned around to my partner, and I turned around to my mother-in-law, and I was like, right, so from here to here, I want silence in this house, because everyone's supposed to be dead, because it's zombies. <laughs> they were like, uh, right, okay. Um, and I had to block out all my windows, and I had to try and, you know, all the lights had to be off, and I had candles lit, and I'm... anyway, anyway, uh, sidetracking. So that was all done, and then I came in contact with a few other writers, who want to do a writer's group. Mm-hmm. Um, which was fine and it was lovely. I love every single one of those people to bits. Um, and they've helped me a lot. But during that, and the, it's only lasted a year, mainly because the girl or the, the main woman who runs it, um, I think she's pulling back away from her drama school and the other stuff that she's doing and she's concentrating on herself and her acting bit Mm. which is fine um though it is a little bit disappointing that that's a second writer's group that's now fallen oh god it's yeah it's a little bit soul destroying but here we are that's not it's nobody's problem nobody's fault no it's your problem don't lie (laughs) yeah (laughs) damn it (laughs) there is a common (laughs) a common thing between the two um but, yeah, so it, I was thinking this time last year, around about Christmas, we missed we missed December because obviously it's Christmas. And we tried to keep it to the first Friday of every month. Um, but when I came back in January, I had 10 episodes of a TV series written ready ready for them to listen to to listen to and to go through but this time around i haven't managed to do anything like that and every time i sit down in front of my computer and i have my notes up uh, um or i have you know my writing playlist that i normally listen to mm. and i stare at the screen and nothing happens so I've been trying to consume as much media and books as, as much as I can to try and get my um, myself thinking. I mean, as soon as January came round, I was like, right, well, I'm going to write a haiku and a poem a day. It's very difficult. Mm. I mean, writing a haiku is actually okay now, um, now that I know what it is. Um, 
but sitting down and writing something more than a, 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 a five beat, a seven beat, and a five beat, three lines, it's very difficult. Yeah. How would you overcome writer's block? The thing is with me, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people go through different stages of writer's block and people dip, deal with it in, in many ways. Mm. Now, for me, I've dealt with writer's block a lot. Yeah. Sometimes I just leave her. My, I've, I've always get advice from family members and friends and they've always said, look, just walk away from it for a day or two. Just focus on other things and then come back to it and see if you've got any ideas. I've done that. It's worked in mm-hmm. some ways where I've, I've just left it and not worried about it. Because I think the one thing about writer's block is this, it's, it's this mental thought in your head. There's something in your mind where, because I think writer's block uh, is a part of stress where the, something builds up and builds up and builds up and it, it's refusing to let you think clearly, mm. th- uh, think imag- imaginatively or creatively or whatever. So I think that's one of the main things is to be stress-free. Mm. Don't worry about it. If it can't come to you now, it will come to you maybe in a day, maybe in a day or two, whatever. Mm. I've dealt with that. I've read books. I've watched TV. I've gone for walks. Uh, I've gone for walks just to express myself and sometimes I've some ways just called up my friends and say right should we go out or what have you there's so many ways but for me I've uh, sometimes I I just I just with me I just literally just don't worry Hmm. Uh, it's easier said than done I I, I know it's easier said than done but for me, I've when I've dealt with writer's block, I know that my brain is telling me you've you've overdone it with your writing and everything. You you need to slow down now mm. and take a step back, reevaluate, and go from there. Mm. And that's why it's like now I'm currently writing a, a play, mm. nothing to do with writer's blocks, uh, but. I will tell you after this because I've got loads of ideas now and trust me, writer's block is just this minor setback. It's not even a big, a lot of people think it's a, it's a big setback, but it's a minor setback. It's only your, yourself making it a big deal. Yeah. And all you need to, it's a bit like, it's, it's a lot of people always contribute writer's block to depression or, or something like that because, uh, because when I've when I've read things where I've read articles and essays on uh, writer's block and it does lead to depression. It does lead to some things because your, your brain's not um, your brain's not thinking creatively or everything as as it used to. Mm. But it it is what people always say is try to encourage you to take a, a step back. And enjoy other things because what you enjoy is what gives you that creative mindset. Mm. So if you love your Dungeons and Dragons, go and play Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe you get an idea from that. If you love reading books, go and sit and read a book and find find it. Talk to people. Mm. I've had loads of. Uh, I mean, I remember when um, me and me and a family member. I think it was my. I, I think it was my bamboo and my uncle, and we were talking about. Um, a crime that happened in Barry in the year 2000 mm. and just that alone an idea popped into my head mm. and I'm awful for it 
I've, I've got too many ideas literally spewing out. Mm. So my advice for me, my way of dealing about it is just taking step backs. Mm. Take a, a, not just a couple, a few steps back. Take a deep breath. Go and enjoy other things before you go and set yourself. Because trust me, when you do go back and you find that idea and you find that source, trust me, when you have that source, it all comes flooding in and you get things done quick as a flash. Yeah, because it's not it's not the ideas that I'm struggling with. Yeah. Um, because I've got ideas at the wazoo. It, yeah. It's the amount of notes that I have is just stupid. Um, but when it actually comes to sitting down and kind of, I know that as soon as I start, it will probably keep keep rolling and keep going. One th- the one thing that. I have a problem with is yeah. that I start a project, I get 20 pages in, I stop and I move on and go on to the next one and don't even look at the other one. Oh my god. That's my pet peeve. See, I've still I've still got the notes yeah. from when we wanted to do that um that uh Lovecraftian oh, yeah, yeah. thing. Um where it, I think it's because it when the, the ship the shipwreck yeah because I think the, the reason why it was because I saw that film The Lighthouse with but, Robert Pattinson and uh, William Defoe and I thought oh my god I want to make something similar hmm. I think that was because of the hype yes I think because the hype of that it gave us that idea it's like oh we could do something hmm. but I've always had ideas similar to ours and gone maybe we can but I. I've always gone and turned around and t- told myself, whether it's in the mirror or just in general, to say, right, how d- will it work? Mm. And then that's where it go from there. It's like my writing process has always been go. A lot of people prep and plan. And the play I'm writing now, I've prepped and planned. That's the first time. It's very rare that I've prepped and planned for a play that I've written. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever done that. Um with other plays, I've gone, I can see the characters, I can. I know what they're doing straight away. It's not the fact that I've written down the notes to get an idea. I know who they are, I know what, they, um, what they're like, and I know what their purpose are. I'm going to go write this story. Mm. And that's always been, if you look at some of the projects I've done, they've literally, they've been created in a spontaneous moment. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it doesn't help that... Um... So when I first started writing, it was mainly because I would just wake up from a dream and I I would have to write this dream down. And it started from when um, I had this very vivid dream and I wrote down everything and it became one of my favourite pieces of writing. Um, and it's still my favourite piece of writing today, even though I read back on it and go, what on earth is this atrocity? Um yeah, I've got a dream like that. Uh, it's only been the one dream, which I'll tell oh, you. Oh, really? Oh, my, my dreams are so messed up. Yeah. Oh, don't but, worry about um, it. Come on, who's, who's, who's dreams? Are you, you're going to turn around one day and be like, oh, my dreams are so weird. Well, they're supposed to be weird because it's, it's, dreams are pockets of your imagination that are just shown, you know, you're basically going through your consciousness and you're going through this idea mm. in your head. Yeah. But do you ever feel like... I, I always wanted to ask this question about dreams before you carry on, right? Okay. Do you know when you're running, do you feel like you can't run? You, you're running at a set pace where your legs are feeling heavy and and um, 
you really can't do much. You can't run as fast as you are. I've I've had no. dreams where they're nice dreams. Uh-huh. It's like I played football in some of my dreams, but my legs are literally like, they're so heavy. They oh. can't. Okay. No, no I, I don't know why, but it's just when when you dream, do you see it through your eyes or through a film perspective? My eyes. Your eyes. Oh, aren't you lucky? Yeah. That's why I said it feels heavy. It feels like that. It, 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 mine kind of switches perspective. It, sometimes I see it through my eyes, and then, yeah. but for one specific thing, if there's, for example, yeah. if there's like an explosion, it will it will go to third person, and I see everything yeah. and everybody. Ninety percent of the time will be through my eyes. Then the mm. the other ten percent will be from. The perspective I I look at it from a film's perspective. Ah, okay. So um, I'll tell you the, my dream as well. Um, so the dream that really stuck with me, and I don't know why it stuck with me. Hmm. Brace yourself. Um, so it's it's in a prison. Okay. I'm in a prison, and I've befriended a couple of prison inmates. Mm-hmm. The windows are not clear. That you know you got something covering them or whatever. Yes. Um, and it's daylight outside. Okay. And we've all said to each other, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. And we do. We break out. Mm-hmm. But here's where it gets weird. So, you know in video games, you know, like Fallout and um, open world yes. games. But you know when you get to a certain point of the map where you can't go any further and the landscape is just out there and everything. And it's, it's, it's beautiful and that. Mm-hmm. So we basically take out some of the guards. We are, and I, I can just picture it now. We are running up the stairs, concrete stairs. We open the door and we're and the thing is, during this build up, right, we are not allowed to go outside. It's like you are not allowed to go outside. Mm. And there's this we get outside and there's this yard that is I, I, I don't know, a few feet long, probably like about over 100 feet, 200 feet wide or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it now inside it looks daylight, but we get out and it's dark. It's nighttime. It's nighttime like this. And there's only a little bit of light that shines down on the, the, the yard, mm-hmm. the prison yard or whatever. And you know how in prisons you've got fenced, mesh fence with barbed wire? No, it's like golden bars. And it's, it's like thick golden bars about that thick and big yeah, yeah. Um, about I don't know how thick they are and there's about 12 of them and they they go up and then they go into like a sort of roofing kind of slant yes and we look around and we think oh my god but as we're looking out onto this yard in the dark it's got the field and it's like nothing it's like absolute nothingness and we're running jumped on top of these things and we're about to climb and the guards come out and says no we're stopping you not because you're breaking out but because you will never ever come back if you leave you will never come back oh. and we're stood there we're looking at each other and we're looking out onto the road like i said it's dark and you know you see in the video games you get to the end of the, the edge of the map you can't go any further and it's just the landscape is there mm. and we turn into the guards. The guards are not stopping us. They're literally just begging us to come back. Mm. And we're just there. And then I wake up. Oh. What is that? <laughs> oh, that's, 
Gee, I don't. I don't know. See, now my immediate reaction, my immediate thought is being taken out of your comfort zone. Once you go out of your comfort zone, there is no going back. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. I mean, I've, I, I don't do dream analogies. Um, or, I don't know. I don't know that that's that's a that that's a weird one because the way that you were describing it made it s- s- kind of sound like a, a, a hamster cage. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just imagining this like hamster, this um, you know, kind of like an Alcatraz type yeah. thing with hidden inside this hamster cage, just in the middle of but but nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, that's, is that a recurring dream? I've had the dream once or twice, Mm -hmm. not recurring, but it always stood, stayed in my, in my mind. Oh, wow. And I always remember it clear as crystal. You know, when you're with some dreams, you, you forget. Yeah. You remember having a dream, but you don't remember what the dream is. Hmm. But I always remember that dream. I don't know why. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm riddled with reoccurring dreams, so that's... Yeah. But I know that the main, um, the main kind of elements of my reoccurring dreams... Well, number one, it depends on yeah. what kind of media I've consumed. Yeah. Uh, and more often than not, it will be set in that kind of... in, in that universe. Mm. Um, but do you play yourself? Or do you play a particular no, character? No, I play myself. See, now I play a particular character. All right. Um, you know, she's got the same kind of facial features as me. Mm. She's got ginger hair and, you know, she doesn't wear glasses because... Yeah. Who need you know, who needs glasses in oh, a dream? Yeah, world? yeah. 20-20 vision. Yes, please. I will give myself 20-20 vision. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, but... Somewhere along the line, she ends up sacrificing herself Mm. and she's almost died. So her, um, well, she's, she's, she hasn't, it's a little bit weird to kind of explain just briefly, but basically, um, there are three or four different versions of her to which they all live in this one vessel. Mm. And for her to be able to survive, all of these ves- all of these like spirits we'll call them, need to come back. Yeah. So she forgets who she forgets who she is, but then the more memories she remembers, the more she realizes Oh no! All of these spirits have to come back to me, otherwise something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Sounds like the Dark Tower in some ways. See now, I haven't, I haven't read the Dark Tower, but I have heard that it's good. Yeah, the, the Dark Tower series, is, the book series is really good. There's mm. some. The problem is with Stephen King. He he, I think he tries too much. He writes too much. I love Stephen King. Oh. I, I love Stephen King, but, you know, some books are that thick, you know, Bible thick book that makes yeah. the, when you put the book down, it makes a big 
thud sound. Yeah. Yeah. The, some of those books are unnecessary. Some of these books are unnecessary. They could be, you know, chopped down from 800 pages to about three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he insists upon himself. That's, it's, in the words of Peter Griffin, it insists upon himself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, some of the Dark Tower books are really good. Uh, I've read one or two of them. Um, I've read, uh, obviously, the Gunslinger one, which a lot of people think it was a lot slow, but it built up to the, the series. The film lacked a lot, uh, but I loved Idris Elba as um, the Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. I loved Matthew McConaughey as the villain, uh, but I just felt, like I said, the script and the direction was weak, so that's why it didn't do well. However... Yeah. Yeah, your dream just reminded me of the Dark Tower, some elements of the Dark Tower, which I think, book series, Pippa, go on, wink, wink, come on. Potentially, I mean, um, the the TV series that I mentioned earlier, that is from a dream, Mm. so there might be a potential for, for this one, but this... The way that, um, like, she comes back to her full power, we'll call it, um is that her body has to expel all the blood. Oh, my God. From every orifice that, <sighs> that you can. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that has to happen to make room for the other spirits that kind of have to live inside her vessel, um, which means that something has yeah. to leave. Have you, have you ever... Um... I mean, concluding the podcast in, yeah. in a moment, but have you ever have sleep disorders like uh, sleepwalking or sleep talking or anything like that? I've sleep. Uh, I've spoken in my sleep, um, which is mildly amusing because I'll be dreaming about some messed up, crazy stuff like that um, about expelling my blood, um, but then. The twice that my parents have walked in uh, to the bedroom because I used to share a room with my sister. <laughs> uh, and so one time they came in and I bolted upright. My parents cacked themselves and they were like, are you okay? Bearing in mind, I was still completely out of it. And they went, whoa, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, I have to take my eye out. And I went to kind of, like, my hand went to my eye and my parents were like, no, 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 eye taking out, please, thank you very much. And they put me back down to sleep and I was out for it. (laughs) And then another time they came in and um, I didn't bolt upright, but I was very uncomfortable and I was wriggling and they were like, Pip, are you okay? And I was like, "It's, it's everywhere, it's everywhere. What is? Chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh my god meanwhile i'll be you know i'll be i'll be dreaming of, of you know people expelling blood from like their eye sockets yeah, and like, stuff oh, like that it's, it's everywhere it's chocolate oh my god do you know what um if you want to know about my talking in my sleep scenarios all you have to do is literally ask emily oh really and she has got stories that you i mean uh, I'm very, there's like a scale, there's, um, uh, there's the, in the middle is moderate and then in the third one is frequent. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people say when, uh, a lot of experts say when you have frequent, when you're frequently talking in your sleep, you have to go to the doctors or you have to go and speak to someone oh. because apparently it's an indication that you are mentally disturbed 
or something in your head, you're mentally disabled, you're either suffering with depression or you have anxiety. Um, there are signs of mental mental health issues there. I'm not going to say mental health illness, but mental health issues. issues. But I'm in the middle, very comfortable in the middle, because there'll be for the next two or three days, I would be talking in my sleep. But then for the rest of the week, I would not say a word. Um, and Emily's heard me say, come on, you effing this. There's a lot of foul language. I mean, my my talking in my sleep is basically the equivalent to a Quentin Tarantino film. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> without some of the racist bits in. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's equipment to the Quentin Tarantino film where I've said, oh, motherfucker, and... Uh, oh, wow. Uh, you effing see you next Tuesday. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And uh, and uh, apparently the funniest one that Emily... Uh, one of the ones that Emily said was... Um, uh, she she saw me get up so slightly and said, why, you listen here, you junk... You, you jacked up motherfucking twat face. Right? <laughs> If you come near me, I'm going to slap you so silly, your teeth are going to be skipping down to your ass and shitting them out. Or something like that. Yeah. I was like, really? Did I say that? Okay, okay. 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 But then the scariest one that she said, the scariest one uh, was when um, I was in bed and I turned, my eyes went mm. like that. So say, you know, uh, you're Emily, so I... I basically, I turned, I did a full turn, and my back was uh, facing her, mm-hmm. and I full-blown turned and just went, opened up my eyes, and I went, I'm going to kill you. Oh, jeez. Uh, and then I just went back, and then turned back around. And Emily was there going, she just looked at me and went, oh, my Christ. But then deep down, she did turn to me and said, Reese, because you said that, I was ready to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> And even I was scared, even I was scared, because it's like, I don't have, because with sleep talking, you have no control mm. of what comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, you just literally don't. I'm like, oh my God, well, what have I been saying? But then then again, it's like a lot of things when you're sleep talking. I, I don't know what this has got to do with creative space, but because it's dreams, it's creative. Um, yeah. Um, but when it comes to sleep talking, it's forgivable because it's not really you that's saying it. No. It's it's a bit of you mm. saying it, but it's not you. It's it's literally what your what your brain is thinking that you're doing, thinking that you're doing. So mm. it's like, oh my god, that's why, uh, you know. And the funniest one is not even. I rem- I mean, I remember when um, I used I I still do live here or temporarily still live here. Mm. But I remember I'll never forget this when my uncle Gareth used to live here. And uh, he used to, I mean, if you go up the stairs, he used to live um, sleep in the bedroom on the left at the top of the stairs. And um, he used to have fans because obviously there'd be times to be hot days or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And um, I remember, do you know when, do you, know when you, you just wake up suddenly? You wake up suddenly because you, and then you have a feeling of, not bad, fe- it could be a bad feeling, but it's a feeling of uncertainty why you've woken up, why is yeah. your body woken you up? And all I heard was walking back and forth on the landing, and uh, my my nan but well my nan obviously sleeps in the original bedroom, but where my uncle Gav used to sleep, that's where my bam sleeps. But my bam came out, and he went, and he was like, "What the hell is that?" So that gave me the reason to get up, and I opened the door. I was like, "What's going on?" And uh, and he went, so he went, "I don't know." So he and he heard clanging sounds, banging sounds coming in Gar- my uncle Gareth's room. And he opened up the door, 
lo and behold, my uncle was dismantling in his sleep his fan. Oh my god. Piece by piece, literally taking it apart. And he tried doing that with a light bulb once. Uh, and. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he, he and 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 my band was like, um, you can even ask him. I'll I will do, let you know uh, after. Um, but he said, Gareth, what are you doing? And he went, Oh, I'm just fixing. <laughs> you know, do you want to go back to bed? You can fix it later. Okay, and he put it down and went, got up and went back to sleep. Oh my god! And it's like, what? And then the, the following, obviously, hours later, sort of when the morning came, daylight came, he came down and me and my band were just literally there going, <laughs> <laughs> like that, just laughing at him. And he's there going, well, well, and you went, and you went, why is my fan like that? <laughs> because you did. So here's the thing. <laughs> oh. I think we I think we better stop it there, otherwise we're gonna be chatting for like two and a half hours. Yeah, we are. So let's stop it from there. One minute. Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalized keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewelry, whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle, or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan, and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary, or maybe it's for someone's birthday, maybe something for Christmas, or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts is the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villager Morgan, CF627EB. Or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk or maybe just give them a call at 07789942248. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film, or even theater. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So do you want to have experience in making jewelry? Do you want to pick up a hobby, but do not know what to take or where to start, then look no further than the Veil Jewelry Workshops. Veil Jewelry Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewelry. They will help you make a range of silverware, including rings, bracelets, and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills, such as soldering, texturing, shaping, and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewelry, and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at or even phone them at 07 
Fulham at 07789794248.